Father, we thank you. We praise you that you are faithful, God, that you are true to your word, that you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And God, we think about the many times you've been faithful in our lives. Just reflect on the many times he has been faithful to you. He has brought you through trial. He has strengthened you. He has answered prayer. He has given you provision. And he has showed you his nature. God, great is your faithfulness. New every morning are your mercies. We glorify your name today. Thank you for your presence. We receive you, Lord. We receive your presence. We receive the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Fill us. Refresh us. Renew us. Energize us. Give us boldness. Give us hope. Give us energy. Give us illumination now into your holy word. We receive the illumination of your divine word. In Jesus' name, and all who agreed said, amen, amen. You may be seated. Praise God. He's in the house. Mm. Mm-mm. We're going to worship through giving now. Take out your app. Give electronically if you're watching. There's boxes on the sides that as you leave today, you can give. And I want to remind you, we are a tithing church. 10% of everything given to the general fund goes to missions, evangelism, and benevolence. And since we started Living Hope seven years ago, I just got this stat this week, we've given $338,000. $338,000 to missions, evangelism, and benevolence because we're a tithing church. So every time you give, you're giving way beyond just the ministries here locally. Two people received Jesus this week that I'm aware of. We had the new playground installed uh, as part of our Generations project. And one of the regular tenders here felt a burden on his heart to come here, give them some Gatorade. And he gathered the workers together, gave them Gatorade. And as they were drinking, he shared the gospel. And one of the workers prayed to give her heart and life to Jesus Christ. My 88-year-old father gave blood this week at the Red Cross near the Academy Sports Place. So I drop him off, and I'm just prayer walking through the parking lot, and this man came up and asked if he could have some money, and I gave him some money, and we began to talk and shared the plan of salvation with him, and he prayed to receive Christ with me right there in the Academy parking lot. God is on the move. I am absolutely convinced that there are so many people that if they heard the gospel today, they would receive Christ. We need to be active in sharing our faith, giving the hope of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's our message today. Hope in a troubled world. Folks, I'm 59 years old, and I, there has never been a time in my life, and I've asked my father this week, has there ever been a time in his life when there has been more division, struggle, hopelessness, despair, depression, strife, misinformation, and just mess, just mess as today. Never in my life, never in his life. Many of you today may feel like there is a load of problems and situations and burdens and struggles that you feel like you're under. And what do we need in that kind of a situation is hope. And it's not a hope like, I hope Georgia wins the national championship this year. Okay, that's a wish. Biblical hope, listen to this, here's the definition. You can go to your app and get the notes. There's some out in the lobby. You want paper notes. Hope, biblical hope is a confident expectation of what is to come. Biblical hope is a confident expectation of what is to come. We need a confident expectation of what is to come. Now, you may not have in the present what is good. You may, in the present, there may be difficulty, there may be stress, there may be lack of provision. There could be a whole bunch of mess in the present, but hope is the confident expectation that something better is coming. And we are told today, we are given five reasons for hope in a troubled world. So I want us to stand in honor of God's word. I'm going to read Romans 15, 1 through 14. And then I want you to go to 1 Peter chapter 1. So have that passage ready as well. So Romans 15, this is part 32 
in our series of Romans, and I'm going to handle this a little different than is actually, I, the, I want to just acknowledge the context of Romans 15 is about unity in the body. We've covered that the last two weeks pretty well, I think. So rather than focus more on relational unity, I'm going to focus on hope because it's found a lot in this passage. Romans 15, verse 1. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak and not to please ourselves. Let each of us please his neighbor for his good to build him up. To build him up. For Christ did not please himself, but as it is written, the reproaches of those who reproached you fell on me. Verse 4. Whatever, listen to this. Whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction, that through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures, we might have what? Hope. May the God of endurance and encouragement grant you to live in such harmony with one another in accordance with Christ Jesus, that together you may with one voice, I think we've done that today, Jonathan, with one voice glorify the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's worship. That'd be point six. I should have mentioned that. Just got point six worshiping God. Therefore, welcome one another as Christ has welcomed you for the glory of God. For I tell you that Christ became a servant to the circumcised to show God's truthfulness in order to confirm the promises given to the patriarchs and in order that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Unless you were born ethnically a Jew, you're a Gentile, so we better be glad that he gave us his mercy. As it is written, therefore I will praise you among the Gentiles and sing to your name. That's what we've done today. And again it is said, rejoice, O Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles, and let all the peoples extol him. That's worship. Again, Isaiah says, the root of Jesse will come. Who's that? Jesus. Even he who arises to rule the Gentiles. In him will the Gentiles, what? Hope. There it is again. May the God of what? Hope, there it is again, fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in what? Hope, there it is again. Verse 14, I myself am satisfied about you, my brothers, that you yourselves are full of goodness, filled with all knowledge and able to instruct one another. God, we ask for an anointing on your word now. Pray for illumination and application in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. All right, five reasons for hope today. The first is this. Oh, I didn't go to 1 Peter, so stay seated, but 1 Peter chapter 1. This is the passage that the, our, the name of our church is based on. I love the name of this church because it's biblical and because of what it says right here. 1 Peter 1, verse 3. And by the way, you need to be present this Wednesday night either by Zoom or in person Rich Saplita, raise your hand, is doing the bullseye message of the apologetics class this Wednesday night on the resurrection of Jesus. If Christ be not raised, our faith is useless. Our, we're gathering in a, for a worthless cause today. Jesus is a liar if he didn't rise from the dead. Do you know the evidence historically, archaeologically, intellectually for the resurrection of Jesus? If not, come Wednesday night, 6.30. Blessed be the God and Father, verse 1 Peter 1, 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a what? Living hope. There it is. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Folks, we have today a hope that is living. It's not a hope that's dead. It's not a hope for some bygone century. It's not a hope for the patriarchs and doesn't apply to us. It is a living hope. It is a daily hope. It is a hope that can help you and me no matter what we face. No matter the pandemic, no matter the racial division, no matter the economic uncertainty, no matter all the political garbage that's going on today, you and I, through Jesus Christ, have a living hope. Hallelujah. Five reasons today for a living hope. And the first is this. We can have a living hope through God's Word. God's Word gives hope. Look at verse 4. It says that what was written in former days, that's the Old Testament. That's what God did in previous generations. Ezekiel, we sang about it. David, Isaiah, Jeremiah. What God did in the Old Testament, it says in verse 4, that what was written in former days was written for who? For our instruction. Aren't you glad that God penned words in the Bible about his activity from, and from the past to show us what he could do in the present. 
because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. It wasn't that he just did that for Ezekiel and he's not going to do it for you. He may do it a little different for you because he's unique and he's personal. But what's awesome is that he will be active in you similar to what he did there because he's consistent with his nature. And so he does this for our instruction. That through, now I want you to see these two words, very important. That through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. So there's something in the scriptures, in the written word, now Old Testament and New Testament, that gives us the ability to endure and have encouragement and hope. Three things here. The word gives endurance, encouragement, and hope. First of all, it gives endurance. That word is, is hupomeno in the Greek. It's to remain under. You've got a load of struggles. You've got a load of problems. You got a load of burdens. You got things that causes you to be depressed or discouraged or to lose hope or to be depressed and you feel under the pile, right? But the Bible, the scriptures give you the ability to endure. That means you remain under, but it's going to eventually, eventually mean you come out of. <laughs> so you got to remain under for a season until you come out of, until you're on top of. But for a season, there's a remain under. And that's what trials do. Difficulties refine us. Difficulties mature us. Difficulties cause us to become spiritually growing. Just like physically, if you don't exercise, you get out of shape. In the same way, without trials, we usually get spiritually lazy and slabby and, and flabby. Okay, But trials, difficulties, pressures are designed to press you to God are designed to press you into his word, okay? So that then you experience encouragement. And that word is parakaleo, to call alongside. The word comes alongside of you when you're going through difficulty. If you're in the word, you better be in the word. You get in the word, you're in difficulty, and the word comes alongside of you and gives you encouragement. That means courage within. Encouragement is courage within. God puts courage in you to keep going. God puts strength in you to not give up. God puts power in you to not throw in the towel. He gives you encouragement. And it comes through his word. Because when you get in his word, you learn his character. You learn his nature. You learn his will. You learn his heart. And you begin to apply that to your life. And then the Logos becomes the rhema. The Logos is the general word of the Lord. The rhema, two Greek words for word. The rhema is the specific word for a specific situation. It's when God personalizes his word to you. You're reading in his word. You're meditating on his word. You're going through a struggle. You don't know what to do. And you get a word. You get a rhema. And God's like, that's for you. Hold on to that. Beloved, you and I, I'm telling you what. We are living in a day where I am more convinced than ever that if you're not a person of this book, and you're not filled with the Spirit, and you're not seeking God, you are going to get steamrolled by what's going on today. This is a defense defining hour in our nation this is a defining hour in many of your lives and we have got to be people of the book because it says it gives you hope and here's how it works let me just share this with you a key to finding scripture to give you hope is getting promises that meet your problem watch this You've got a problem. You've got a challenge. You need to go to God's Word. Sometimes it comes through people. You could Google promises related to an addiction. Promises in God's Word related to a temptation. Promises about financial provision. Promises about relational conflict. You get into God's Word. You seek His face. And you get a promise or two or three that relate to your problem. Now, you've got a discrepancy, right? There's a distance between the promise and the problem. And what does that take? Faith. And waiting on the Lord. Perseverance. 
And as you pray that scripture, as you believe that scripture, as you claim that scripture, as you hold God to his word, all of a sudden the distance between the problem and the promise get less until eventually the promise overrules the problem. That's how it works. You say, give me a scripture for that, okay? In Romans chapter 4, Abraham was given a promise by God that he would have a son. He'd be the father of many nations. Now, did it happen overnight? Did Sarah get pregnant the next day? No, 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 no. Matter of fact, because there was this period of waiting, he for a season, just a short one, but he did resort to the flesh for a while. And he did the Hagar thing, and we got Ishmael, and that's not good, not good, not good. A lot of problems from there that we're still reaping today. I don't have to do a historical study of that for you, but look it up. It's not good. So he, he failed for a season, and we can take heart there. Not excusing disobedience. I'm not excusing disobedience at all. But I'm saying that prone to wonder, Lord, I feel it. Prone to leave the God I love. Abraham failed. David failed. Nobody in the Bible was perfect except Jesus. Okay? So he failed, he, he got in the flesh, but he came back. And then he came back to the promise. In Romans 4, you look at it, it says that he held to the promise of God until it was fulfilled. And so he had to persevere. Waiting on the Lord is one of the hardest things in the Christian life. Waiting on God for that promise to be fulfilled. Making sure you're interpreting the promise correctly. Making sure if there's a condition in the promise, you meet that condition. By the way... Philippians 4.19, a lot of people like to claim that for their financial issues. My God will provide all my needs according to his riches and glory. And they claim that for things that they probably shouldn't claim it for. But anyway, read the context. He says that after he affirms them for their faithfulness in giving. Generosity preceded that promise. So don't go claim a promise out of context, especially if there's a context that you and I need to meet. Come on. All right? <laughs> so, that's important in this idea. But, but all along, even in the waiting, there's hope. Because you're claiming his word. Not only the promise, but you're claiming what the Bible teaches you about who he is. About his love for you. About his care for you. About his presence with you. About what he's done for others. All of that combined to give us hope. Hebrews 4 says the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. 2 Timothy 3 and 16 says all scripture is given by inspiration of God and it's profitable, teaching, correction, training in righteousness. Psalms 1 says he who meditates on the word day and night will be like a tree firmly planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in its season and whatever he does he prospers. Psalm 119 says how can a young man keep his way pure? By keeping it according to thy word. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Joshua 1 says this book of the law shall not depart out of your mouth, but you shall be faithful to do according to all that is written therein. Then you will make your way prosperous. Then you will surely have success. Psalm 19 says the law of the Lord is perfect, restoring the soul. Jesus said the grass withers, the flower fades, the word of God endures forever. Hallelujah. Beloved, you and I need to be people of the book. When's the last time you got into God's word? I'm not talking about a little verse for the day. Comes up on your app. I mean, that's better than nothing. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm not talking about a verse for the day. I'm talking about you getting in the word, setting aside time, 15, 30 minutes, an hour, meditating on the word. Praying the word, studying the word, claiming his promises, digging into the word, asking what does this teach me about God? What does this teach me about who I am? What does this teach me about sin? What does this teach me about salvation? You and I need to get into the word of God. If you're not a person of the book, you're not going to have hope. You get in the word, that's where you get hope. It's where God matures you. Folks, I don't want to be a church that's a mile long and an inch deep. Living Hope Church, we want to be a church, strong believers, mature believers, people who know the book, people who know the word, people who know the God of the word. Now, I'm going to show you something else in this passage. I've preached through Romans before. I have read Romans I don't know how many times, and I love this about God's word. I have never until this week seen what I'm about to share with you. I came so excited Wednesday night, I about hijacked Rich's class because I was so excited about this insight. And I'm telling you what, guys, Rich's teaching Wednesday night on how we know the Bible is the Word of God, 
I'm, I'm dead serious. No disrespect for Robbie Zacharias. Seriously. There is no way, Jose, that, that Robbie Zacharias' teaching was any better than what Rich gave Wednesday night. I kid you not. It was off the charts. I went home and told my wife I was absolutely overwhelmed at the depth and the soundness of what he taught Wednesday night about the Bible being the Word of God. If you have any doubt whether God, whether this book is God's Word, you need to get that material, you need to study it, you need to hear it, and I'm telling you what, it will make your faith just rise. You'll be going, man, I have such confidence in how this book came about, how God's Holy Spirit inspired it. It was just off the charts. Rich, I'm just so thankful for you, brother. All right, so here's what I got this week. Look at verse 4 and look at verse 5. It says, through endurance and encouragement, right? We already talked about those two words, right? Through endurance and through the encouragement of the Scriptures. So, it describes the Scriptures as giving endurance and encouragement. Look at verse 5. May the God of endurance and encouragement. <laughs> the same two words that are used for the Word are used of God. In other words, God so aligns himself with his word that the way you describe his word, you could describe God. The way you describe God, you could describe his word. God is holy. The word of God is flawless. God is truthful. The word of God contains his truth. The word of God, God is loving. The word of God displays his love. God is one in three, the Trinity. The word of God explains the Trinity. Matter of fact, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. So God is so connected to His Word, written Word in this case, Scriptures, that the way you describe Him, you could describe the Bible. Which shows how faithful He is to His Word. Now, we don't worship the Bible but we worship the God who wrote the Bible, and we look at the Bible, and we get from the Bible truths about God that cause us just to love Him and trust Him more. Oh, folks, if, if today doesn't inspire and encourage you to go home and meditate and study and be a person of the book, I don't know what will. And this woman came up to me after first service, and I love this, and she said, just help me how do I get into the Bible? So let me just give you this real practical. And my track, Time Alone with God, in the back gives you this. But here's, here's what you can do. Just take a book of the Bible. Go through the book of the Bible systematically. I'm in the book of Acts right now. So yesterday it was Acts 18. Tomorrow, I haven't gotten to, to it yet, but today or tomorrow it'll be Acts 19. Just take a half a chapter, a chapter. Don't, don't take too much, but take enough to, to, to just chew on it. You know, meditation is the word for a cow chewing its cud. I know I'm going to cause you to lose your appetite for lunch, but cow has, I don't know how many stomachs, three, five, something like that, and it chews the cud, it chews the grass, and it vomits it up, and then it chews that same grass again and vomits it up. I know it's kind of gross, but that's just the way it is. And each time it chews that cud, it gets different nutrients. So we are to meditate on the Word. We are to read that passage and that paragraph over and over. Journaling is so important. Have a journal, a notebook. You're writing down what God says to you. You're maybe formulating a prayer. But, but writing things down helps to seal it in your spirit. So you just spend time in a section, and then tomorrow you come right back to where you were, and you pick right up. You'll be amazed how quickly you can go through books of the Bible doing that. Number two. We can have living hope today because of the Holy Spirit. God's Holy Spirit, verse 13. By the power of the Holy Spirit, you may abound in hope. I love preaching on the Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. When you receive Jesus into your life, Ephesians 1.13 says, at that moment you are sealed with the Spirit. Holy Spirit comes to indwell you. He becomes resident. The difference between a person who merely has the Holy Spirit and is filled with the Holy Spirit is he goes from being merely resident to being president. <laughs> P 
president means he rules, he reigns, he's allowed to function in the freedom that he wants to. For the first two years of my Christian life, he was resident in me, but he wasn't president. And it wasn't until I yielded my sophomore year of college to the empowerment of the Spirit. I didn't get more of the Spirit, but he got more of me. <laughs> I yielded. I surrendered. I tapped into that power that was within me. I, I was really ignorant of the Holy Spirit. I, I didn't know much about the Spirit. I had been told by some hyper-legalistic Christians that, you know, you don't want to be like those charismatics. Those people who speak in tongues and do weird things. You don't want to be like them. Well, I looked at them and I went, there's a joy there. There's a power there. I think I do kind of want to be like them. <laughs> I don't want to be crazy and weird or anything, but, but I kind of like some of the stuff I see they have that I don't seem to be experiencing. And it was the Holy Spirit. And so I, I began to yield to the Holy Spirit. I began to ask the Holy Spirit to empower my life. I began to, to depend upon the Holy Spirit when I was struggling, when I was tempted. I said, Holy Spirit, take over. Holy Spirit, I need you. Because I was living like this, and I was under this weight, and I was trying to hold this up in David's power. And there's a huge difference when you start yielding to the Holy Spirit's power and let the Holy Spirit do what only the Holy Spirit can do. Jesus said in Acts 1 and 8, You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You shall be my witnesses. In Ephesians 5, it says, Be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Romans 8 says, The same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you if you're a believer. The Bible says that it's not by might, human might, nor by power, but by my Spirit, says the Lord. The Bible says in Philippians 4 and 13, I can do all things through Christ, through the power of the Holy Spirit, who strengthens me. Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you yielding to the Holy Spirit? Are you depending upon the Holy Spirit? It's the Holy Spirit in verse 13 that gives us hope because it's His power in us. Here is one way to visualize what it means for the Holy Spirit to be working in your life. It's like these Alka-Seltzer tablets. As soon as I put them in, look what happens. There's something happening. There's energy there. It's bubbling over. There's something happening there that wasn't happening until I put them in there. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life. He wants to give you illumination into the Word. He wants to give you victory over temptation. He wants to encourage you when you're struggling. And one other thing that He does, turn to Romans 5. This is important because when you struggle, when you go through difficulty, one thing that will most certainly happen is you will doubt God's love. God must not love me, I got COVID. God must not love me, I lost my job. God must not love me, I'm going through marriage struggles. God must not love me for blah, blah, you just whatever the case. My car broke down. God must not love me. I can't tell you how many people I visited in the hospital who said God must be punishing me for something because they're in the hospital. That you might be being disciplined, but if so, God will show you that. But I, I can tell you this, he's not punishing you. He disciplines those whom he loves, but his punishment was put on his son Jesus. Romans 5, verse 3, not only that, but we rejoice in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance. That's hupomeno. And endurance produces character. So we, like gold and silver, are refined through trials, through fire, because it burns out the impurities. And character produces hope. That's what we need when we're going through tough times, right? We need the confident expectation of what is to come. That's hope. And hope does not put us to shame, here it is, because God's love has been poured out into our hearts. How? Through the Holy Spirit who's been given to us. So one of the jobs of the Holy Spirit is to pour God's love into us, to remind us that He's not forsaken us, that He loves us, that He cares for you, that He wants to encourage you, that He wants to empower you. And it's actually, listen closely, it is actually in the difficulties that we can experience God's love at a level we wouldn't have had we not gone through the difficulties. If you will trust God, if you will obey God, if you will cling to God, if you will hold to his word in the midst of the hardship, in the midst of this kind of stuff, 
It's actually in the midst of this that God through the Spirit wants to remind you of His love. And it actually can be a place where you experience His love in a way you would not have had that not been over you. It's the wife who doesn't feel loved by her husband. It's the person who goes through the broken engagement. It's the person who loses their job that if they will cling to God and seek the face of the living God and not throw in the towel, in that fire is where his love can come to you and you can experience God in a way you never would have otherwise. You know, it's different for every person. But I'm telling you, this is true. And I've seen it in my life and I've seen it in hundreds of lives that I've had the privilege of pastoring. And I mean, it is so hard because you get in the trenches with them and they're weeping and they're struggling and they don't know what they're going to do and they're tempted to throw in the towel and they're in absolute despair. But here's where the body of Christ is so important. And I pray Living Hope can be this kind of church. We come around those people and we love them. And then what does it say here? Accept them. Accept one another as Christ has accepted you. Did Christ say to us, get your act together, then I'll accept you? No. No. So we shouldn't do that with anybody else. We don't say to the people in the body, hey, get your act, come on, buck up, get your act together. Then you can come and be a part of our group. Then I'll accept you. Then you'll really be a good, no, we, we love them and accept them right where they're at. And we just weep with those who weep. We bear one another's burdens. We pray with all our heart. And we invite the Holy Spirit to touch them. And then when they begin to tap in to that supernatural power of God, it is an incredible day. We all rejoice together. And then that person has a testimony. You know, you know you don't have a testimony unless there's a test? Hello. You have to have a test to get a testimony. <laughs> and so in the test is forming, shaping your testimony. And when you come out and you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, not just heard the Lord is good, but taste and see that the Lord is good, when you come out and you've tasted and seen that the Lord is good, then you've got such a basis to minister to other people. And that leads to our third reason for living hope. The third reason we can have a living hope is through God's strong people. Now in verse 1, not to create some spiritual hierarchy. You've got to hear this correctly. We who are strong have an obligation to bear with the failings of the weak. So in the body of Christ, you have some that are stronger than others. That's just a fact of the matter. Never should we look at a weak Christian and shame them or demean them. We're at all different levels, right? And, and for every person who's strong, at one point they were weak. Because <laughs> you ain't strong overnight. It takes, it takes time and testing and all that. But in the body, he's just saying, look, there's some that are strong and there's some that are weak. And it's important, in order to have living hope, I'm totally going to preach this different than I did in the first service. The weak get hope from the strong. And that's why we, are, we need to all be in this together. The weak get hope by looking at the strong and realizing, man, that person... Would you just tell me some things you've been through? I mean, you go to a guy who's like a Ralph Motzinger or an Ann Clements, and you just say, Ann's walked with God for years and years. I mean, her Bible is like, I can't even believe it's still together. Just go look at her Bible. It is so marked up. It is, I mean, it's just unbelievable. And you go, tell me some times you've struggled, Ann. Tell me some things you've been through. You know, you look at an Ann right now, and you probably think, oh, she's had a greasy life. <laughs> no, 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 no. She's not having it greasy even now, are you, Ann? you got challenges right now, trials. And so the weak or the weaker, let's just say the weaker, get strength from the strong, get encouragement from the strong. And beloved, this is why, okay, I'm, I'm going to, Lord, don't let me miscommunicate this. I am deeply concerned that during this period of COVID and shutdown of churches, and people getting accustomed to watching online and doing the pajamas worship thing and all. And listen, listen. If you have legitimate health issues like my wife that makes it difficult for her to be feel comfortable coming, I'm not talking to you, okay? 
But I am saying even you, you need to stay engaged. Because Barna did a study, 30% of Bible-believing, professing, like committed Christians have already so disengaged from church that they don't even really consider themselves a part of any church. They're either church surfing, oh, let's see what this guy says this week, and this guy says this week, and I'm going to get my coffee and my pajamas, and you know, watch this, all this, do this online stuff. And again, I'm thankful for technology, don't get me wrong. But I'm also here to challenge you, you need to be connected to a local church, okay? Those of you listening in other countries, other states right now, you need to be connected to a local church where you're interacting relationally with people in that community. Right now, you may need to be in a Zoom group or you need to be here on Wednesday nights, but I'm so proud of you. This is the most we've had in this room since we reopened, and I'm so thankful. You're coming back, okay? And again, I'm sensitive to the health stuff. I really am. At the same time, it is important that you not disengage from the local church and not allow this season of COVID to make you forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Hebrews 10. That's still in the Bible. Last I checked. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together, as is the habit of some. Ooh, that 30% that I'm deeply concerned about. God established the local church as his body to encourage us, to challenge us, to preach the word. Corporate, I mean, there's something, you know, I watched you guys last week because I was on vacation, and it was good, but, but I came back and everybody said, man, you should have felt the spirit of God in the room. Well, see, I didn't get the in the room stuff because I wasn't in the room. <laughs> there's something about two or more gatherings in the name of Jesus. He inhabits the praises of his people. After we finish Romans, this was Jonathan's idea, and I love it. We're going to get a couch up here, and we're going to do a dialogue about worship. We're going to do a three-week series on worship after Romans, and he and I are going to have a conversation. And it's going to be a unique way of presenting this, but we're going we're to talk about worship, our hearts for worship, what the Bible says about worship. Because I'm telling you, church, God is wanting to take Living Hope Church to a new level in worship. And a new level in the Word. And a new level in connection. And a new level in outreach. Okay? This is not a time to be spiritually passive. If you get spiritually passive in 2020, you're going to get steamrolled by life and the devil. I'm telling you, I've been listening to some guys that I trust that are very prophetic. And they're saying things I've never heard before. There has never been a season in the life of the church, and I've talked to several people that are more informed of this than I am, where dreams, visions, and prophecies are just coming forth. Now, some of them got to kind of go, hmm, maybe, whatever, but you got to test it. I mean, that's what we're told to do with prophecy. Don't, first, don't, don't despise prophetic utterances, but test all things. How do you test it? The Word. This is how you test it. So if you're not a person of the book, you hear some of these prophecies that maybe are good or bad or whatever, you got to know the book to test the prophecies. Okay? So the third way that we get hope is from God's strong people. Number four, and this is really the one that kind of is the umbrella over it all. We get living hope from God himself. <laughs> Look at verse 5. The God of endurance and encouragement. So God is a God of endurance. He remains under. Think of all the tough stuff God has to put up with every day. <laughs> Think of how many times he hears his name taken in vain. How does that make God feel? Yeah, God has emotions. Remember my series, God Does What? <laughs> all right, just came out. The book just came out. God has emotions. He endures all that stuff. Then it says he's the God of encouragement. Here's a thought I had this week, an insight. God never gets discouraged. You ever thought about that? Now, does he get grieved? Yes. Sad? Yes. Angry but not sin? Yes. Jesus wept over Jerusalem. But he never gets discouraged. Because what is hope? It's a confident expectation of what is to come. And God knows what's going to come. 
<laughs> so he never gets discouraged. He doesn't wring his hands. Oh, what am I going to do about COVID? I didn't see this coming. Oh, my goodness, what am I going to do about those atheists out there? What am I going to do about all this stuff getting presented in the public? Oh, I could, I just, I don't know what, I'm thrown off. I don't know what, I'm, I'm, I'm just perplexed. It grieves him, yes, but he's never discouraged. That gives me encouragement. The God who never gets discouraged knows we will, but wants to give us encouragement. And what is encouragement? Courage within. It's putting courage in you. And then verse 13, may the God of hope. Think about his names in the Old Testament. Jehovah Jireh, the God who provides. Jehovah Nisi, he's my banner. Jehovah Sidkane, he's our righteousness. Jehovah Shalom, he's our peace. And here in the New Testament, he's the God of hope. Beloved, as you draw near to God, and he draws near to you, he wants to give you hope. He wants to instill in your spirit hope, encouragement, promises, reassurance. He wants, to, he wants you to cling to his nature, cling to his word, cling to what he's done in the past that he can do again in a fresh way for you. I looked up every verse in the Bible this week where it used the word hope. And there were two themes repeated over and over. The Word and God. How cool is that? Oh, put your hope in God. Why is my soul downcast? Put your hope in God. In God whose Word I praise. Over and over. God wanting to give us hope. And it says here in verse 13, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. If you will but believe, if you will stand on his word, if you will trust him, he says he will give you joy and peace. Fruits of the Spirit. And finally, we can have living hope because of our glorious future. <laughs> Folks, I've read the last chapter. <laughs> we win. <laughs> God wins. It's going to get bad. It's going to be tough. But it says we win. One day he'll throw Satan's sin, sickness, death, and all demons into the lake of fire forever. He will establish a new heaven and a new earth. He's coming to reign. He will rule forever. We will spend eternity with God in glory. That's our future. A confident expectation of what is to come and heaven awaits us i told somebody this week and i'm not making light of this my wife got a little upset with me but i told her i have a good life insurance policy so she'll be fine but i said honey if i get covid what do i do i pray god can heal right he still heals right so i'm going to pray i'm going to call the elders we're going to do that whole thing let's say he doesn't heal me and i die then what to live as Christ, to die as gain. I win either way. Hallelujah. Well, she got upset because she said, well, what about me? And I said, I'm sorry, honey, but I get to glory before you. Got a good life insurance policy. You'll be fine. I didn't quite say it that insensitively, but it's to make a point. Go to the worst case scenario as it would be in the flesh. There's no worst case scenario. If you die and you know Jesus, you spend eternity with him. And that is forever and ever and ever and ever. Forever and ever and ever means it never ends. Folks, our life on earth is but a vapor compared to that. So, beloved, there is living hope today. Hope that lives through God's Word, through God's Holy Spirit, through God's strong people, through God himself, and through the awareness of our incredible future. And so what God wants to do in some of your lives today is, rather than you being here and under that, and, dis and distressed and hopeless and in despair, maybe even suicidal, through these five things we've learned today, you begin to come out from under it. It may not have changed. This may not have changed. 
But what happens is you change and you rise above it. And we're going to learn in Romans 16, soon I'm going to crush Satan underneath your feet. That's in Romans 16. Can't wait till we get there. And our worship that day is going to be all about spiritual warfare. But that's what God wants to do. Now, in first service, I was actually overwhelmed at the response. And I'm not saying that to talk you into anybody into coming to the front here. But I do believe that some of you today need an impartational prayer. And so I'm going to invite you even right now, begin to come to the front. Just stay spaced out, please. We had them literally almost to the wall in the first service. If you just feel a need for this hope, for this encouragement, for just an impartation of God's presence and power and encouragement in your life, or maybe you want to stand in the gap for somebody you know who needs that. And you're saying, I'm coming forward, not maybe for me, but for Aunt Jane or Aunt Bill or, or you know, Uncle Bill or, or my cousin or whatever. And, and, I, and I, I'm going to stand in the gap for them. And I don't know how that all works, but I do know it works. And so I want you if, you, if you need that, come and just kneel. Just kneel on these steps. And begin in your own spirit to cry out to God right now. And then I'm going to pray over you. Just come if you need that prayer, you need that encouragement, you need that impartation. Because I believe, beloved, I really believe that, that in these kind of things, something supernatural can happen. And that's not a manipulative thing. It's not to get more people up here. That's not what it's about. You can receive right where you're sitting. But I believe there's something about humbling ourselves, coming before God, being prayed over. Receive. Receive. Receive from the Lord right now. Receive in your spirit His love. Oh, beloved, receive his mercy. Those of you at home, kneel to receive this. Get yourself in a position to just open your heart and hands and lives to the Lord. In the name of Jesus, I pray, God, that you would fill these dear saints with your Holy Spirit. Baptize them in your Holy Spirit. Reveal to them your love. Oh, flow. Flow your love over them, Lord. Wash them. Renew them. Strengthen them. Encourage them. Receive His grace. His mercy. Receive, receive. Father, I ask you to give power. I ask you to give a hunger for your word. God, I pray that these people will go to the secret place this week in a way they never have before. listening, you're here today, you have had thoughts of suicide, you've had thoughts of throwing in the towel in your marriage, you've had thoughts of just abandoning your allegiance to Jesus, I rebuke those lies in the name of Jesus right now. Satan is the father of lies. Don't receive those lies. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus comes to give life and life abundant. Come against the powers of darkness that would discourage and cause people to be downcast and hopeless. God, breathe hope in them. Breathe encouragement. Give them a picture right now in their minds and hearts. Give them a, a picture of something that will minister personally to them. Just be open right now to God giving you something. You're going to see in the Spirit. It's going to remind you of something.
Lord says, I have not abandoned you. I have not forsaken you. Though I seem distant, I'm right around the corner. The clouds are lifting. The confusion is clearing. If you will seek me, if you will remain steadfast, I'm coming around the corner. I'm coming with open arms. I'm coming with compassion. I'm coming with a tear in my eye and a sword in my hand. I am coming to help you. God plus one is a majority. 